Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Well, if you have your Bible with you, your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you use, let's lift it up and let's make our confession. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today, I receive the Word. I confess. In Jesus' name. Father, we approach your word and we approach your word with humility that you would even grace us to be born in a nation in which we have the word at our fingertips. There's people around the world that only have one page or a few words, but Lord, you've blessed us with more Bibles probably than we'll ever use. And we just thank you for that. But Lord, as we come to your word right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would anoint me so I can do nothing without you. Help me to say exactly what you want me to say. Don't let me say something I should say. And Lord, anoint our ears to understand that we can grab what you want us to grab today from your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And we pray at the end of the service today that you will be glorified, Father, that the saints will be edified and the enemy will be terrified in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're in this series, What Was I Thinking?, and today's the third day. I read the story about a man who went to a fortune teller. And the fortune teller said, you will be a poor and miserable until you're 50. The man asked her, well, what will happen then? She said, oh, by then you'll get used to it. I wonder how many things in our life that we've just gotten used to. Just used that I'm stuck where I am. Used to think that I'm never going to get better no matter what I do. I'm just surviving. I'm just hanging in there. So that's why we're doing this series. In fact, the first week we gave you a synopsis of what this series is all about. And here it is. Your thinking determines your future, the place where you're headed. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. This series is going to give you tools to help change by renewing your mind through the power of God's word. Read the last sentence with me. So you can live a passionate purpose-filled life, and fulfilled destiny. Let me make out a quick review. Week one, we talked about make the decision to change your mind. Nobody can make that decision for you. God won't do that for you. You have to make a decision. You are where you are because of what you have believed up till now. The decisions that you have made have formed who you are. You can't blame anyone else. And our memory verse was this. I think you've memorized it, but let's just do a review. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The second week, Pastor Kevin was here and he talked about find the missing pieces. He said we need to learn to journal because we can journal to life. We need to declutter the mind, and we need to think beyond our comfort zone. And he gave us another memory verse. Let's recite it. People who live following their sinful selves think only about what they want. But those who live following the Spirit are thinking about what the Spirit wants them to do. Awesome. You guys are great. And we said in the very first week, our series is going to circle around Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. 
They're in your notes, and I'd like you to follow along with me. I just kind of want to pick it apart a little bit so we can get a better understanding of what we're talking about when we say renewing our mind. In chapter 12, Paul says, therefore. Now, anytime you see the word therefore, that's referring back to what they've already said. And I'll talk about this more in just a minute. So for 11 chapters, Paul has given some of the most detailed theology of any of the epistles. And then when he comes to chapter 12, he says, therefore, because of all of this, because of the mercies of God, because of all of this, then he says, if you understand that, then I urge you, uh, the, the Greek word is parakaleo, which denotes a sense of urgency. Paul is like a, a coach and he's saying, you know, I, I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you. I, I don't want you to just lay back, but he said, I want you to press into this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In other words, in view of chapter 1 through 11 and all that God has done, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. We don't often think about how important our bodies are, but our bodies are the temple of the Lord. So when we look in the front of the mirror and we say, as somebody said recently, I look in the front the mirror and I'm afraid I'm going to see a decaying me just come apart because I'm so old. But that's not going to happen to you. But anyway, we stand there. And so he wants our bodies. He wants us to offer him the very best that we have. So offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. They should be holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper worship. Then verse two, do not conform. Do you see that word conform? Underline that, highlight that. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The, the, the word here conform literally means don't be molded or stamped according to the pattern of the world. In other words, I'm not looking to the world. I'm not looking to the enemy. I'm not looking to the culture I live in to decide who I want to be. I, I don't want to be molded. I don't want to be stamped like that, but, but I want it to be after the Lord. In fact, the verb here, don't conform, the verb is passive. That means if you don't intentionally and actively work at being uh, not conformed to this world, it'll just happen. People say, well, you know, I'm just getting along. I'm, I'm doing okay. So does that mean that you're not pursuing? You're not pursuing God's word in your mind? So if you're not, Paul says, don't worry. You're going to be stamped. You're going to be conformed. You're going to think like the world. You're going to act like the world. And you're going to be as struggling as the world struggles. The Phillips translation says it like this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be squeezed into the world's mold. You got a better mold to be. He says, but be transformed. That's another great word you want to underline because I'm going to come back to that. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That doesn't mean just your intellect, but what he's talking about there is the inner part of you. Your, your, your soul, your heart, everything that's in you, be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Greek word here for uh, transform is the word metamorpho, metamorpho. And we get our English word, what? Metamorphosis from this. In other words, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're going to be going through a, like a metamorphosis, like a... A tadpole before he becomes a frog. A caterpillar before she comes, becomes a butterfly in that process. 
In other words, it's a change that happens from the inside to the outside. And it also describes distinct phases that you go through. In other words, uh, the, the little uh, tadpole doesn't wake up one day and the next day he's a frog. But he goes through distinct phases. Check out your, 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 your study. Go on YouTube. I'm sure somebody's already planned that out. And it's the same thing with the caterpillar. The caterpillar doesn't immediately come out as a butterfly. But it's in stages, distinct stages. I wonder if we've started out serving God, but we've settled to where we used to be and we're not continuing to go through distinct phases. I'll soon be 74. I've been a Christian since I was about eight. And I'm telling you right now, he's still working on me. You know that song? Three of you do. Three of us do that old song. We need to bring back flannel graph and real songs, all right? No, not really. But I'm, I'll be almost 74. And I can tell you that he's still working on me. Just about the time I think, okay, I've got it all together. I'm, going, I'm doing good. Something will happen, and I'll say, where did that attitude come from? Where did those words come from? But what he does, he allows some of those things to come up out of us so that he can remind us, you still need some transformation. How many besides me this morning would say, I still need some transformation? Thank you. I'm in the right church today. He says, then, if you'll do that, if you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's not something you're going to, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better. He says, no, it's going to be something that begins happening on the inside of you, and then all of a sudden, it's there. I mean, that's happened to you, right? You read a verse, you say a prayer, you do something, and then the old you would have responded in a certain way. Uh, like somebody, you know, smirked at you, watching the old you would give them a throat punch right there. They'd be out, right? But isn't it amazing when something like that happens and you think, well, the old me would have given a throat punch, but you just sort of ignore it and walk away. Why? Because he's still working on it. And it's from the inside out. It wasn't like that day you woke up and said, I will not throat punch anybody. I will not do that. But it's at that time when he comes up and lets us know he's still working on us. He says, if you do that, then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. I run across people all the time say, I just wish I knew what God's will was for my life. If only I knew what God's will is for my life. And Paul says right here, if you want to know what God's will is, go back to this. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and put God's word into you. And then you'll know what his will is. And notice, his will is good. The will of God is good, doesn't he? Romans 8, 28 calls everything to work for good to those who love and are called by his name. His will is pleasing. It, it pleases God and it satisfies us. And then it's perfect. That word perfect there means mature, grown up. You'll know his will. Paul says, in view of the mercies of God. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, look, go back and read chapter 1 through chapter 11 and look at all the things you see about God's mercy to us. For instance, Romans 3, 23, we've all come short of the glory of God, but he doesn't leave us there. He leaves us a way out. Romans 5 and 1, we're justified by faith. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ, through Jesus Christ. Chapter 6, verse 23, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. 
Chapter 8, verse 1, there is nothing that will separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. And you know, 8 and 28, God causes all things to work together for good. So here's what Paul says. Because of the mercies of God, because of he saved you, he's invited you into his life, because eternal life is something that you can't make happen yourself, because he works all things together for good to those who love him, because all the things that happen in chapter one through 11, he says, now, therefore, here's what we want to do. Because of the mercies of God, you're able to do this. I said that in metamorphosis, there is distinct steps in the process. I wish I could remember my, my biology class or my zoology class or whatever it was years ago when they talked about the different stages. Maybe that was English, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> somewhere now, you talk about the different stages. I wish I could just intellectually give that to you. But you're smart enough to know that. But in our life, we also go through a process. Yeah. We are spirit, we're soul, and we're body. Your spirit is a spirit man. When God breathed the breath of life into Adam, he breathed his spirit life into him. So when we come to the place that we surrender our life to Jesus and we say, Lord, I trust you, then my spirit man is redeemed. I am saved. You can't get more saved. People say, well, you know, I just, I gotta keep working on getting saved. No, you believe on the Lord with all your heart with all your mind, you believe that he is Lord, confess that with your mouth, then you are saved. You can't get more saved. Well, I want to please God. Sure, we want to please God, but you can't get more saved. You see, I want you to grasp that, that, you're, that if you've really given your heart to the Lord, you, you are saved. And that means tomorrow you're not unsaved. See, some of us went to churches where every week you get re-saved. You'd never know if you're saved or you're lost. I mean, when you get saved, you know you're saved. Now, we make, make, make mistakes. We make, make failures. That's why Jesus said to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But I want you to understand, if you're always wondering, am I saved or I'm not saved, you're going to spend all of your life in worry and never grasp the fact that I have the peace of God in my heart and in my life. Now, don't send me an email. I know that a person can intentionally walk away from God, but I'm telling you, it's not any of you. Because if a person intentionally walks away from God, they could care less. They have no feelings or no thoughts about ever being right with God. So I know that's not you, so just relax, you're okay. If you've given your heart to the Lord, just say out loud, my spirit man is redeemed. But now my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, and my thinking were not saved. Right? That's why when you give your heart to the Lord, then sometimes afterwards, you might find yourself saying some of the things you said before and say, what did I say that? That's not, it's because it's ingrained in here and ingrained in here. That means that when something happens to you, you automatically react in a way. Why? You say, well, why did I act like that? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I almost throat punch that guy? Because you had this in your mind for so long. But listen, if you're not putting anything different in here, why do you think you'll ever get anything different out here? If you don't put the scriptures into you, how's that going to change, right? So my soul is being saved. 
That's why Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying your salvation of your spirit, man, you work it out. No, he's saying in your soul, you need to work out your own salvation. Get your soul more redeemed than it's ever been. Your soul is being saved as you renew your mind to the word of God. And then, of course, your body one day will be saved. Yes, your body will be resurrected. It'll be put back together. If you've been cremated, God can find all the particles and put it all together. He remembered how you were in the first place, all right? I was just thinking the other day, my friend uh, Jeff, one of our fellow board members, he said, you know, when I die, you cremate me. Put part of my ashes in the beach because I love the beach. So we did that. And then a wave caught me about, got me all wet. I thought Jeff just laughing in heaven about that one. <laughs> and then part of him is released in the mountains riding a motorcycle. And then Trish has got somebody who's still on the mantle. And I think, won't it be exciting on the day that his body will be resurrected. The Lord knows where every particle is. The Lord knows where everything is. And he's able to redeem. I'm so excited. One day this body will no longer have afflictions. No, one day this body will no longer have pains and aches. But it'll be exactly the way God created to be without pain, without difficulty, without worry. That's worth know that you're being redeemed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't act like the world acts. I read the true story about a dog that was pregnant and she got hit by a car. And a vet brought her back, helped her, and she delivered those babies. But every one of those little puppies and this, and this, and this dog began to drag her back legs because she wouldn't walk. But every one of the puppies in that litter dragged their back legs. The veterinarian checked them out and said, there's nothing wrong with these puppies' legs. But all they've ever seen modeled is their mother dragging her back legs. And so they patterned, they've modeled their life after their mother that's dragging the back legs. I wonder how many of you today are dragging your back legs? Because you've been modeling your life off of something that you saw on the internet or you've been modeling your life after somebody else. You see, it's a process, and it's not just one time. You've got to constantly be renewed, constantly transform your mind, constantly think about what you think about. So let's look at this, what, and we'll look at this next few weeks. What does a transformed mind look like? I have one point today. This is not a pointless teaching, but I got one. Here it is. Think about things with an attitude of gratitude. Say that again. Think about things with an attitude of gratitude. Look at your neighbor and say, are you, are you grateful? We're living in a world today in which the world is full of people that are full of entitlement. They're always looking at what other people have and they think they deserve that. So we're living in a political system where we've almost totally bankrupt and wonder if we'll ever get back around because we're so good at just giving things out to people because people feel entitled. I don't want to work at a job. I don't want to do what the, what the proverb says. If a man doesn't work, let him starve. Give me, a, give me food. Give me a job. So we're living in a world that every time somebody turns around, I want that. I want that. I want that. They don't want to do what you did to do that. Like if you have a successful business and you're able to take a vacation, you're able to take a cruise, you're able to go to somewhere and people says, well, I, that's not fair. I want to do that same thing. Somebody should give that to me. Well, you see, they don't want to put into working the job that you have, but they have this spirit of entitlement. 
And, and that spirit of entitlement then, then leads people in a lot of different ways. But also, we're living in a world today in which negative Nelly thoughts hit our mind. You ever notice that? I mean, you can just be, just be doing nothing. And out of your, in, the, in your mind comes this negative, critical thought. And you stop and think, where did that come from? Why, why am I thinking like that? I, I don't understand that. Because the enemy is always bringing th- thoughts into our mind. That's why Paul says, we've got to take the truth of God's word. And we've got to, and we'll look at this in, uh, next week, how that we need to take the truth of God's word and take that lie out and put the truth of God's word in that. And we live by his word. That's right. That's right. I... Uh, I read the story of a woman that was having trouble sleeping. It's like a 10-year process. She couldn't sleep at night because she always thought she heard a burglar coming into their house. So she'd wake her husband up in the middle of the night, poke him. There's a sound. There's a burglar. Get the flashlight. Go look. So he'd get the flashlight. Go look. And there'd be nobody there. So that's happening like for 10 years. And finally one night, they hear a noise downstairs. And she says, there it is. It's a burglar. Go see. So he takes the flashlight and he goes downstairs. And for sure enough, it's a burglar. And he says to the burglar, hey, you got to come upstairs and meet my wife. She's been, she's been looking for you for 10 years. The cure is a heart of gratitude. Proverbs 15 and 13 says, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. Look at the people around you. They got a cheerful face. They look like they've been baptized in dill pickle juice. (laughs) But sorrow of heart, I just thought, what would that look like? I'm sorry. My mind goes up a million to see somebody, you think they're going to be baptized in water, and it's dill pickle juice. (laughs) Delete that, would you please, as we, we move on. A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. So Paul says this in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Would you read that with me? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, let me remind you, Paul's not on a seven-day cruise on a five-star cruise ship. He's writing this from prison. And in prison, he says, I want you to live like I am. And how I am today, I'm rejoicing. Oh, by the way, let me say it again. You ever had your mom say to you, do I have to say it again? The same thing. I I think that's sort of what he's saying. He says, I know you're struggling with this whole thing about rejoicing. I say rejoice and I'll say it again. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Say that with me. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then verse 7, look at this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, my brothers, this is our memory verse for this week. Finally, my brothers and sisters, read it with me. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So from prison, he says, rejoice. It's the word 
kario, which means to make glad or rejoice. It means that you do it. It's not like the Lord's going to put it in you and then you can, but it's like you do it. It's like that song. I will bless the Lord. I'll bless the Lord. My hands empty. I'll bless the Lord. My hands full. I, I will bless him. It's something I, it's, I stir it up in here and I speak that. That word kario uh, comes from the word charis, which means grace, unmerited favor. So he says, I want you to rejoice. I don't want you to be anxious. That word anxious there is also translated in the Bible. I don't want you full of worry, full of cares or anxiety. It's a Greek word, marinao, which means pulled apart in many directions. Isn't that what, isn't that what you feel when you feel anxious? You're just pulled apart in many directions. It comes from two Greek words, marizo, which means to tear, and naos, which, in, which means the mind, to divide the mind. Paul said it like this. Uh, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, said it like this. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So I've got these thoughts coming. I've got destructive thoughts coming into my mind and I've got legitimate thoughts in my mind. And so it's a battle of which of those thoughts I'm gonna give life to. What am I going to say? So he says, anxiety, don't be anxious. I did a little study yesterday and anxiety in America has become now more damaging and prevalent than depression. Used to be depression. 40 million Americans today are, would be clinically described as full of anxiety. In every situation, he says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving because of his unmerited favor. I rejoice in all of those things. And then he says in verse seven, look at this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. The opposite of anxiety being pulled apart is to be complete, made whole. And that's the peace of Jesus. That's the peace of Jesus. Let me just see if I can sort of demonstrate it to you. This thing here just sort of is us. Just reminds us of, of ourselves. okay? We just hold that and that, that's us. So we have all these things. We have a, a worry thought that comes in and then we get anxious about being able to balance that worry. Maybe it's a worry that you got a bad doctor's report and, and then you worry because somebody called you to encourage you and they told you somebody else died with that same disease. So now you, you got all this and now it's, it's Thanksgiving and Christmas and you're worried about the right gift for someone and then somebody's worried not only the gift but you're worried about where you're gonna get the money from that and then other people are worried about what people are gonna think about me because I've got all of this and I know some of you are already getting anxious with these balls rolling around and me trying to hold them. But then more and more comes, right? I mean, what other, what other anxiety can come up this time? Bills, there it is. And so I'm trying to, what else? World. world, oh yeah, the condition of the world. What's gonna happen in, in Ukraine? What's gonna happen in, and all of this and worried about, you know, which church service am I gonna come to on Christmas Eve? Get all that worried. And so we're, we just, we're, we're trying to balance those and we think, I, I can't even move. I can't even move because I'm trying to balance all these things in, and I just feel immobilized. All these worries are just, they're, they're just crowding in and I'm worried. So if I try to move or if I have to go across this stage real quick, you know, what's gonna happen? Well, you're, I'm, I might just spill them all. And then we think, you know what? That's the condition of my life. 
trying to balance all these things, and I can't. But Paul says, no, you don't worry about balancing. You're not going to spend your time worrying. But in verse 7, he says, here's what I want you to do. Let the peace that comes from Jesus to guard you. And, and you can't describe it. You see, if I let go of those worries, and if I hold on to the peace, remember peace? That it is the opposite of anxiety. Anxiety is pulling you apart, but the peace of God is wholeness. It's mature. So I can stand here, and hopefully I can walk across the stage. I've I played some sports, not much, but I, uh, hopefully I can walk across the stage, and I, I, won't, I won't drop this. It is so much easier. Just hold on to the peace that comes from Jesus rather than trying to struggle with all of the other worries and cares that come upon us. I mean, just think about that. Just, just look at that. He says, you got all of these things that God has given you. Now, our memory verse, let's look at it again. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, we got these little books. I love these. It's called a promise book. I may not be able to memorize every promise, uh, but, you know, like this one, it says help in times of trouble. So it's got like two or three pages of scriptures, or maybe when you're in, in fear, or God's love, does he really love me, or where can I get the peace of God? So I use these in my prayer time. I'll just open it up and say it, and we've got these in the bookstore out there. They're very inexpensive. It's paperback, but you need to get one because you can add those. It says, so, so I'm not going to believe what the enemy says, but I'm going to believe what the Lord says. So let's, look, let's do it again. Let's look at this. This glass is a picture of your life. Now, it's pure, and some of you have muddy water, but it'll be Okay. And in life, I'm, I'm coming to church, I'm doing good. It's now time to be dismissed. And I'm trying to get ahead of somebody else. And some old crotchety person cuts in front of me. And I have this thought, what, what's up with them? Don't they see me? Can't they see me? Then I think, well, that's not a good thought. I shouldn't say that. But then in mind, I'm, you know, you're, you're working between those two things. So then as you're walking to the parking lot, Somebody ignores you. You think, well, they just ignored me. I, I can't believe that. And so you let those things just simmer. You get in your car, and then you start, you tell your spouse, well, I can't believe. Do you know what just happened to me? Let me tell you what happened to me. And you see, if I don't do anything with what lie the enemy has dropped into my life, it won't be long until Monday morning I wake up, and it will not just be a part of my life, but it will have saturated my entire life. So here's what Paul says. I want you to be renewed. And here's what I, how I want you to be renewed. I want you to let the truth of my word pour into your life. And so he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, whatever's excellent, whatever's praiseworthy, 
Think about those things. Think about those things. And then notice what happens. From the inside out, not me changing anything, but from the inside out, look how pure the water gets. Why? Because I've replaced the lie of the enemy with the truth from God's Word. A renewed mind. I don't deserve it, but I got it. I can never merit God's blessings. Look at this verse, Ephesians 4 and 23. Be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. So our memory verse this week is that we're going to memorize that verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, say it with me again, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these. Now, let me help you do that. In your notes, I gave you a next step for this week, and here it is. Have a think session. Maybe start a gratitude journal. Just get your notebook and start listing all the things you're grateful for and see how many you can come up with by next week. Or maybe keep that gratitude journal for a year. See how many things that you can, you can think about. I'm so thankful that I was born in the United States of America. I'm so thankful every morning when I read, as we're reading with the Joshua Project, which is on our website, you can check. We read about all the languages in the world where they've never heard the gospel. And I'm overwhelmed. Some days I just cry to think they don't have any of the truth of the word and they're lost. Then I think of all the places I could be born. God allowed me to be born here in the United States of America. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my country. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for what God has done in our life. So I'd encourage you to do a think session. Just take some time, sit down, and think about God's word, what it says to you. If you don't know the answer, then look in here. You can find a word. Well, if you got anything out of this teaching today, would you give the Lord a hand clap? How many of you that are believers would say, yeah, the Holy Spirit sort of convicted me today of some things that I need to work on. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. I'm raising my hand too. I'm raising my hand. Let me pray for you today. Father God, we pray for the believers that are in this house and those that are watching online. And Lord, we, we thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding us of things that we need to work on. And Father, we commit ourselves to think about what we're thinking about. That we'll take the lies that the enemy tells us that we're no good, nobody loves us, nobody cares for us. And Lord, we refill our tank with the truth of your word. Lord, bless this house. Bless the people. As you continue to pray, let me talk to those of you that don't have the peace of God today in your life. And you've never really understood the whole thing about the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, that you're getting something that you don't deserve. We all deserve, because of the sin in our life, we all deserve death. Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son, lived a sinless life, and he walked to the cross to carry your sins and my sins 
Someone has to pay the price for our sins. He paid the price, but on the third day, he rose from the dead that as many as call upon him could be saved. If you're here today and you say, Terry, I don't have that peace of Jesus. And if I were to die right now, I'm not sure where I would spend eternity. Let me lead you in a prayer today. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I need that peace. I need that from Jesus. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and let me pray with you and for you today? Thank you. Thank you. Others today say, yeah, that's me. Those of you that are watching online, thank you over here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you today. Thank you. Hands going up today. Let me lead you in a prayer. We've all prayed a prayer like this at one time or another. Pray this prayer with me. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. And I call upon him this morning to have that peace that passes all understanding in the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.